You're listening to the Underscore Transformation Podcast, your practical guide to business transformation. Welcome to the Underscore Transformation Podcast. This is episode seven. My name's Joe Ailes. And my name's Jason West. And together we're the founders of Underscore. In today's episode, we're talking about governance and decision-making. Effective governance is essential to avoid the most destructive forces on any project or program. And those are indecision, delay, reversal, and rework. The old adage that time is money has never been more true than if you've got technology in scope of your transformation. So every day of delay can be all too easily quantified in terms of hard cash uh, terms. So you look at the, the software subscription fees, the system integrators, resources, your people, the contract that you've hired. And if you're implementing one of these tier one cloud ERP technologies, you can easily have a burn rate of £25,000 a day uh, Mm. and upwards. Um, So if it's a a traditional on-premise ERP solution that you're you're implementing, then that number is significantly more than £25,000 a day. Uh, So some delays can be absorbed, others you just end up spending the money. So if you're not making decisions in a timely way, then time is money. Um, But actually more insidious than that is is, making the wrong decision. So rework. So the the best case example, you know, you make a a poor decision early on in in your design process and you just have to pay twice, once to do the work and once to do it again. Mm. But the bigger problem is is when you only realize that you've made a wrong turn and you need to to backtrack uh, late in the day. So either late in the program or, or actually after you've gone live. And then, you know, a seemingly innocuous decision to take a small amount of scope out. Uh, you might save ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, whatever, um, uh, on the cost of configuration. But actually trying to make those changes in production can be hundreds of thousands if, if it's, uh, you know, a, a fundamental, uh, uh, you know, data structure or part, part mm. of the system. Um, so it's really key that you you focus on on the, the timeliness and the quality of the decisions. So when we think about that, what, what are the, the kind of the top three? Three, do you reckon, or the top three mistakes you can make in in setting up mm. your governance structure? Just the top three. Just wow, the top okay. three. Yeah, there's a, the, the list could be quite extensive. Um, responsibility of design, I think, being held um, way too high, way too high up in your organisation. Yeah. Um, sort of command control type organizational structure or, or, or culture that that can lead to the wrong design decisions being made because ultimately the person at the um, at the very top of the organization that's making that design decision doesn't have knowledge or experience of what happens in reality. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, it might make the, the decision might be, to your point, quite innocuous, but actually it, it can have quite a profound effect later on. On the other hand, um, sending it way too, too low down the, organi- down the organization where the, the responsibility gets de- delegated from what we, what we refer to in our, in our methodology, sort of process owners. Yeah. If process owners process owners delegate the accountability of of, of design um, way further down the organisation, then ultimately design decisions might be made purely from an operational perspective rather than a strategic one. Well, and also you you can end up with um, uh, just too, too much variation. Yeah. So uh, when uh, you know variation costs money. 
so uh, you know if if you've gone you know too far down you you've got maybe every every region or every country Absolutely. or even every office having its own unique ways of, of work yeah, yeah 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 absolutely i mean yeah when you're talking about a global program delegating responsibility of design to to various geographies various business units it just brings complexity into your into your design yeah the and flip that, side of that though mm. is if you have it too high up and you try and go for uh you know too much of a global process uh, all that happens is you just create a huge amount of local work around and manual work absolutely that the work is not going to be done the work's not going to disappear the processes will still be executed in 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 the way in which they're done, absolutely. So it, it has to be done. You have to have the, the accountability for the design, the design has to be placed at the right point in the organisation. The third point, um, I think, is um, lack of clarity yeah. as to um, when decisions need to be made and ultimately who should be making them. So yeah. if you've got a programme team that doesn't have clear clear process ownership, you're, you're going to to try and coalesce a number of individuals across the organization to sort of agree to a set of design decisions, you're going to have a tough time. Yeah. Um, because um, different people across different geographies will have different perspectives and diff diff different perspectives and different views about how things should operate. Um, so any anyone embarking in, in a transformation program make sure that you've got um, your point process owners, those individuals, they're ultimately going to have the accountability for the outcome of whatever it is that you're trying to design, whether it's an implementation of technology like you, like you, like you talked about in your introduction or whether it's a change to a business process. That ultimately, it's going to affect the way uh, a number of people, um, you know, managers, employees or, or the function you're transforming operate. You have to establish a community because the individual that is ultimately accountable shouldn't be the only individual making design decisions. So the design needs to be um, needs to bring together uh, a number of individuals across. They've got different perspectives, but ultimately, the the the, the design, whether it's a process, policy, or people, or or technology, uh, needs to be signed off and validated by that one individual. That one that is accountable for the outcome. Yeah. And uh, when we think about accountability for outcome, uh, it, it's the efficiency of a process, it's the effectiveness of the process. But one that I find is often quite uh, uh, challenging for process mm. owners is they really need to be accountable for the data that th those processes um, uh, actually uh, transact. produce, yeah, they yeah. transact, mm. uh, all the setup data that, that systems you know, uh, have uh, around that particular topic, mm. um, and yeah, the, the transactional data that pushes through them. So as a process owner, you are accountable for the quality uh, of the data the, the, for the processes that, that you own. Uh, and that idea of being a, a data or an information asset owner uh, is, is for a lot of organizations quite quite tricky. Yeah, yeah. Um, Very different. Know, absolutely. Mm. Um, and, you know, absolutely, there's organizations out there that have got incredibly sophisticated in this area. But mm. um, for, for a lot of particularly HR functions, finance functions, this can be quite new and, mm. and, and pretty alien. So mm. one, of the, one of the clients that we've been working with, we've been emphasizing that point precisely because um, process owners have got a... a, a might have an idea that actually the the, the responsibility and uh, around data quality and the data that's transacted through the system is the responsibility of those transacting it, yeah. 
or some team in a center that's responsible that's responsible for data analytics reporting um and and you're absolutely right actually it's it's not, it's neither of those um it's the responsibility of that process owner i think you you're absolutely spot on it's a really really important that's not often thought about yeah uh in in when we're designing the role of that process owner what's the process owner's sort of responsibility in a program yeah and they, they also have a, a a real accountability for whether people are using this process. You know, it, yeah, user oh, acceptance. Yeah, yeah. driving yeah, it, a change, driving yes. the change through the organisation. So Absolutely. actually, we may have a change team that's driving that those change messages, but actually, the way the change lands in the organisation is ultimately the accountability of the process owner. Absolutely. Um, so. Process owners being absolutely key. Mm. Um, they, they, you know, they're going to be looking at you know system design, process design, policy, um, yeah. how it lands, and and they're the person accountable. But that they're just kind of one part of the the governance model. So when when we're thinking through how we're designing this governance model, there there's kind of key decisions that yeah. you that 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 you need to have in your mind. So what decisions are we going to make? Whereabouts are, mm. are, are they going to be made? Who's accountable? Who's mm. responsible? You know, who's going to be consulted? Who's going to be informed? Uh, as you're working through um, uh, the the program it, itself, and ultimately, you know, where where do those decisions mm. roll up to? Um, yeah. You know, you can't really push everything up to the executive no, steering committee because no. oh, you'll just grind you, you, everything to and a halt. And you won't have time, frankly. They, they, no. they, they, and if, if the exec steer codes are worried about uh, 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 getting presented with a minutiae of detail, then there's something wrong in the program. You might be asked to leave. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so now, there's, there's layers, isn't there? Um, one, yeah. of the things I, uh, one of the things we, we, we talk about a lot is actually uh, governance structure is not there to, to prevent or block. Governance structure should be there to enable. Yeah. They're enablers. They're 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 the they're the vehicles that allow the program to move through its um, various phases um, to 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 get the program through its various sort of key milestones, its critical path. The the exec stico, um is is there. They're the ones ultimately accountable for the execution of the program. You know, is is the program going to achieve the objectives that we set out to, to to achieve? And we talked about this in the previous episode around strategic objectives being really really important. Yeah. Uh, and they're the, the ones they're validating. Is the program still on track to achieve these things that we set out? But but actually, that's the, the user experience of what you're trying to achieve, um, and isn't isn't validated at that level really. The user experience that you're trying to achieve, um, and the ultimate sort of whether it's a system that you're implementing or a technology or or any form, you know, directly operating model change. The, the people that need to validate whether this really is going to work in practice are the business representatives. Yeah. Um, are are the the line managers, the um, the heads of function. They're yeah, going to cost come center in. owners. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to come in and validate and whether your design actually you know, is, is, is even practical. Um, they're going to bring a little bit of sort of common sense to what you're trying to achieve. So having, a, and we call, you know, we talk about program boards and project boards, et cetera. Having that, Cross-functional representation at a at a at a table in a formal structure, whereby these guys are, at, are validating that. Okay, yeah, I agree with what you're what you're trying to achieve, and that absolutely makes sense. And, and more often than not, they're not actually. They are. They give you little gems. Little. They mm. start opening up cans of worms that you hadn't thought about yes. during your your program, don't they? They will come up with the uh, the nuance in the particular business unit. That actually, if you if you go and 
and fundamentally change. If you change that, you fundamentally break this element of our business unit. Yeah. Then no one sort of really thinks about it from an exec perspective. Yeah. And, that, and then actually, it's a really important point there. You go, oh, wow, okay, I didn't know about that. Let's take that to the exec and get the exec to provide some steer as to which way they want us to go. Do they want us to go and break that business unit or that particular element of the business? Or do they want us to safeguard it? You're listening to the Underscore Transformation Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Underscore, the transformation capability specialists. To find out more, visit underscore-group.com. You know, we talk about program board there for, you know, so for larger organizations, it's not feasible to mm. have broad representation in a program board or a project board because it's just too many people mm. in the room, too many opinions. You just would get mired. So mm. uh, that's where we often split out and create a separate operational steering committee. Um, and their their role is very much to sense check, to review, to provide critique, to you know bring these yeah, little absolutely. gems in that you know go oh, hold on that's not going to work in Germany works yes. councils yeah uh, and really you know you're you're designing processes and and solutions that are fit for purpose in in all the different parts and the complexity yeah. of the business but I've realised we haven't actually talked about the executive steering committee itself nah. so. As you're setting up your governance structure, it's really key that you have a uh, that you have people at the right level on, yes. on your executive steering committee. We're talking about transforming at least one of you know HR, finance, mm-hmm. procurement, IT, one, one, one of the the kind of the professional functions in a in a business or an organisation. You can't make changes in isolation. Mm. So the executive steering committee, in my view, always has to have at least the CFO. Yes. The, the chief people officer. Yeah, yeah, the uh, COO. COO, absolutely. Uh, you need some representation from uh, the P&L side of the business. Yeah, yeah. You've got a CEO of a business unit or an MD of a business unit, yeah. at least one. Yes, yeah. You know, you've got the CIO. Mm. You know, uh, technology Ult- is always going to be... technology will yeah. always feature, yeah. Yeah, um, and you know, you, you potentially you you need to you know have uh, people from the customer side, you know, sort of the, the sales side of the business mm. uh, as well. Mm. Um, but they're really there to help you deliver the program as as the person, uh, you know, perhaps accountable as mm. the program director or transformation lead, uh, and they they will help you unblock situations. But you've got to be really honest with them. Mm. So if you're going to your regular Hopefully, monthly uh, steering committee meetings. Um, you know that seems to be a fairly sensible sort of yeah, you know yeah, drumbeat. Yeah, yeah. You know, if, if things are you know, under stress, so you've got real challenges, then you you need to make them happen more often than than every month. Mm. Um, if they're happening faster than every month, then it's because there's there's issues. Yeah. Um, and ideally, you don't want to be meeting on a weekly basis because you you tend to end up just spending your life creating slide decks for, for the mm. exec and mm. you're just uh, you're just running from one meeting to the next um but you know the having that broad diversity of thought perspectives different ways of doing things you know mm. the you know ha- having the ability to be able to call on senior people within uh, the organization to get get stuff done and to just yeah. knock down barriers for you is key and, and you know what it's um and if these individuals don't don't um, see uh, that they, they should be playing a role in the exec steer co, um, you, you have to question the fundamental objectives of what the program is trying to achieve, right? Because yeah. ultimately you go, well, if, if it's not important to any of you, 
why is this program <laughs> yes. important at all? So it, it, it actually it's it's interesting because if you if you're starting and if, you, if you're creating an exec deco and if if you're having to convince people to come and join it, um, you 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 seriously, you seriously need to think about well, well, am I focusing my energy on the right things? Yeah, because they should be climbing over walls to get on that around that table because ultimately what you're trying to do will impact the way these guys operate. Yes. The other mistake there we've seen, you're absolutely right. So keep it tight, mm-hmm. keep it relevant. Don't invite the entire <laughs> yes. exec. Um, decisions don't get made. Everybody yeah. sort of starts, um, it becomes a, an absolute sort of political discussion. Um, so keep it, keep it, keep it relevant, keep it succinct. Yeah. Uh, make sure that the exec co members understand their role. Yes. In around in and around that table, they're there to help unblock uh, issues that your pro- programs faced with. Yeah. Um, absolutely, they should be challenging. If you've come up with a design decision that's come through your project board, through your pre- operating co and 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 gets to the exec, and the exec fundamentally disagree with it. They absolutely have the right to challenge it and say, well, no, no, I'm not happy with that. Go back down through your governance structure and start again. Hopefully, no program will ha- will ever experience this. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they are there to make sure that the program ultimately achieves the strategic objectives that it's set out to achieve. So when you're starting your exec sticko, make sure that you describe what your destination is. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. So that everybody around the table understands what, every, what, what the program's trying to achieve and make sure that they agree because I mean, ultimately the exec stereo needs to be initiated right at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. You know, so that you shouldn't, you will have changes in the exec stereo because, you know, there's changes of casting, but make sure that you keep to this sort of succinct group. And if you've got new members of joining the exec, new CFO or new CHRO or CIO, make sure that you spend the time educating that individual on where the programs come from, mm-hmm. what, it, what it was trying to achieve. And really important to make sure that they understand their role as an exec steerco member. Yes. Not they're not an exec in the program. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think you know it's a bit old fashioned, but having written terms of reference for each of the points in your your governance structure is really helpful. Mm, yeah. You know, the you know, these are the thresholds where we're going to if we can't resolve things at this level, then they need to be passed to the next level. Mm. Here, here are the decisions that we'll be making at, at the various levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and having that, you know, just laid out up front just helps helps the people making the decisions, but also helps the people on the program that are navigating their way through this really complex set of changes that they're mm. trying to make. Um now the one area we haven't actually touched mm. on, we've talked about the exec steering committee right at the top. We've talked about um, the operational steering committee kind of at the mid-level. Yeah. We've t- talked about process owners, um, mm. uh, more, more at the, you know, at the coalface making those kind of key decisions. decisions. Yeah. Um, but often, you know, the, you can have conflict between, uh, you know, the, the individual process owners. I, I don't mean conflict, you know, personally, but, you know, yeah, there's yeah, conflict competing, in design. competing design priorities yeah. and, and decisions need to be made and That's mediated right. between, you know, one process area and another. Mm. So uh, it's often really useful to have a, a design authority. Not really useful. It's kind of essential to have a design <laughs> authority um, yeah. that that's, that's sat above the process owners. You know, anything that's, you know, 
you know, uh, produced as a solution needs to ultimately go through an operational steering committee, if you have one, and yeah. ultimately up through an exec steering committee. But actually really thinking through the, you know, having an effective design authority mm. and who sits on that that authority, who chairs it, how how, how and what, what decisions are they being made. Mm. But, yeah, it's probably, what, what have you found works yeah, in terms I think of the, that's the a really, really, really important point because actually the danger that you have when you've got process owners making being accountable for for, for the outcome and make, make being accountable for the design um actually you know no, no process sits in in its absolute isolation right mm. so um so yeah i mean having um uh, if a process owner wants to make a fundamental de decision to i don't know a process in their area and a, um, a, a resourcing process in in some occasions um the reward process has something to say about the resourcing process. Yeah. Okay. So whether it's benchmarking, pay, or pay bans, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, there's an there's a there's an interdependency between um, uh, two process owners, and actually having an effective design authority that brings these uh, um, process owners together to to make a, a set of sensible design decisions in their process area, they get validated in other process by, by other process owners is really really. Um, uh, important. And yeah. And in fact, there was an uh, example just recently. You know, you can have a, a payroll sat in finance, so you're, you're, you're you know, perhaps making changes or implementing a new payroll system. And, and actually, the way you onboard new employees has a fundamental impact on if you're going to pay that person accurately. That's right. Uh, and it's not just within and one function. You know, the, mm. uh, especially if you're, you know, any change that you're making to any part of a system or process has these ripples through the organization that, you know, at the outset might not be completely obvious uh, and they're quite difficult to, to unpack. And, mm. uh, you know, having a, a design authority that has not just people from your function and, you know, IT, because generally yeah, yeah. you're making changes to systems. They're, they're the kind of the obvious ones. But, you know, you've got all you know, the, the, the other areas. The, you've got procurement. You, you've yeah. got uh, finance. Uh, you know, the, again, you've got to limit the number of people in there because it's got to be a really sharp decision-making mm. uh, body. But, but also you, you can't leave out bits of the organization. So having that broad view is key, but you know, it, it doesn't get overly bogged down in you know, sort yeah. of a decision by committee. That's right. And, uh, and, and uh, absolutely, these, these are this group of people, they are brought together to, to validate a set of design decisions and their impact across the organization. Yeah. So you have to have the trusted individual from the exec, actually. Um, the exec may well turn around and say, actually, you know what? I, if you put um, Joe Bloggs, poor Joe Bloggs, he gets put, posted, it gets put everywhere. If you put Joe Bloggs into, in, into, into this team to validate that design, I'll feel comfortable that the right people are validating what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So I think the, the final piece that we'll just touch on today um, is scope. It's one mm. of the most important decisions that you make. What are we bringing into scope? What are we taking out of scope? And uh, you know, what changes are we going to make as we progress through the program? And the, some of the biggest issues that we've seen on mm. on programs that have really got into trouble, and these, these tend to be ones where we've gone in after it's gone live, um, is really around the, the the decisions that they made to to frankly eject scope. 
Yeah. Uh, and when you've got these really high burn rates on on projects, mm. you know, 25, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars a day, euros a day, whatever the number is, the you know, people just kind of stare at the uh at that that go live date and and at that that pot of money that's just getting mm. uh, lower and lower that's and right. lower. Uh and it can be all too easy to just go, you know what, we've just got to hit the date, we've got to get this thing out there uh, and scope gets bailed out of mm. of the program at a rate or not. Um, and if if um, if you don't have that really strong uh, governance from process owners who feel personally accountable for delivering the benefits mm. that have been promised, likewise um, the, the the program manager, the program director, the transformation lead aren't feeling personally accountable for for those business case benefits that were mm. that were promised to the exec. And right. if the exec aren't a, an, across enough of the detail. That when they're signing off, oh yeah, take that out of scope to meet the date, or or they're putting uh, too much pressure on the program to hit a date without mm. really understanding what the the, the 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 real impact is on on what the ultimate uh, you know the, mm. the benefit that's going to get delivered. That's when you can get into some really big problems. Yes, yeah. And actually, uh, we talked about this again in previous in previous episodes. You you've you, you create a case for change. You define a vision of where you want to get to. You do. You describe what are, what are your key outcomes from whatever transformation you're trying. You know the transformation you're trying to execute, and make sure that your scope is always aligned to that. Because ultimately, if you take things out of scope, something's got to give. Yeah. Um, the the other point actually, scope creep is another one because actually, if you've got a vehicle um, that's that's generated a lot of enthusiasm in your organization that's going to provide some change it's very easy for, for people to jump to jump on the bandwagon and go mm. oh, do you know what wouldn't it be great if your program could also deliver this and deliver deliver that um and 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 there is a danger that sometimes um the um sponsor sees this as, a, as an opportunity to to win buy-in because the program's mm. so so important to, to everybody let's try and achieve all things for everybody and actually yeah. you end up achieving nothing yes yeah so make sure that you don't um that you're managing scope creep but more importantly actually make sure that you really make not taking things out of scope that ultimately affect your business case yeah. uh, and 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 the outcomes you're trying to achieve from your transformation um the sponsor needs to be all over this, right? Yeah. This is this is uh, not a, a, a decision. The, the program may come up with challenges around. Oh, you know, we're struggling for resources. We're struggling for time. We're struggling for um, for availability of, of, of key people. Um, we're not making design decisions as quickly as we'd like. So therefore, we're creating bottlenecks in our program. The, pro the, the sponsor has a role here to help unlock a lot of this and and to make sure that the program stays honest to what it's trying to achieve. So key takeaways for this week, mm. governance, it's really important. It's, uh, yeah, it's it's so, so important. Yeah. Um, make sure you've got a, a multifunctional exec steering committee that's got good representation from the business and they are engaged and across enough of the detail that, that you know, they're, they're going to be effective mm. in holding the program to account for, for delivering the outcomes mm. that have been promised in the business case. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a large complex organization, really think about using an operational steering committee to, to actually, you know, help push decisions through or validate things that are, that, 
you know, this is going to work in this area mm. of this country. Um, you know, got a, an empowered uh, design authority that um, can really help you uh, uh, un unlock uh, challenges, issues between different process areas, and that you've got process owners that are absolutely accountable and mm. feel accountable for delivering the best possible outcome from from the processes and the mm. policies and the systems uh, that, that they have under their control. You know, get all that stuff right yeah. um, and, and you'll have an effective program, but be really careful about scope and taking things in and out of scope and make really carefully defined decisions about uh, you know, how you go about doing that. Thanks, Jason. So next week, we'll be looking at methodology and approach. Thanks very much for listening. This podcast was brought to you by Underscore, the transformation capability specialists. To find out more, visit underscore-group.com. You can subscribe to the feed via your favorite podcasting app. You can contribute to the conversation via our WhatsApp group. And if you would like to feature in a future recording, contact us on social media to find out more.